In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Was like was a better dad than a husband, but I yeah. was God was teaching me about being a better husband to be a better dad and how it's all interrelated and and that's sometimes where the hardest work is because they know you're the best. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. And man, I'm I'm super excited to have you guys out here with me today. This has been a crazy month. We're in August, and the, for the last month, I've been writing a new book that's coming out in January called "The Full Capacity Man." So it's been super insane. But I am really, really excited today to bring on a, a guest of mine, a friend of mine from a couple years back, Troy Mangum. We've had him on the show before, and Troy wrote a book that's really encouraging to me guys listen we live in this day and age when everybody wants to put their their best foot forward everyone wants to put their fake social media body and their fake social media face i mean it's i mean it's fake book fake news fake book fake everything it's so hard in this world to figure out what in the heck the truth is it's super frustrating for me personally you know i'm trying to make a stand on truth and uh, it's hard to find out what the truth is. I, I go to Fox News, it's entertainment. I go to CNN, it's a joke. I go to NBC, it's not real. Don't know what to do. This guy is so encouraging me because he wrote a book that the title says it all, Fatherhood Face Plants. And so I actually had the privilege of endorsing this book. And I'm excited about this book because every so often a book comes along like the book Margins where the title says it all. And, and I, I just know, you know, Troy, uh, you're, Troy I, I, I throw away about two or three books a week. So my library is full, and so books are making a cut and getting cut all the time. Every week there are books in my trash can. And I just, books aren't holy to me. If they aren't used, if I can't use them, if they're not uh, memorable, they go tr- into the trash. This book will not go in the trash. Yay. Because the, ti- the title, <laughs> the title says it all, and so I really appreciate this book, and I want to introduce Troy to you before we get moving. But Troy is an author and host of the Kindling Fire podcast. He's also a men's advocate, and here's what I love about Troy's uh, his uh, bio. All these other guys I have on, it's like you know you're trying to narrow down to. You know, we got great guys on our podcast, but everybody's bra- you know we want to brag about ourselves and talk about how awesome we are, you know, and here's here's what Troy wrote. A former YWAM missionary, hardcore punk singer, substance abuse counselor, busker, whatever that is, something to do with wheat maybe, <laughs> no. long border, long border, exotic fruit farmer, vert skater, singer-songwriter, software engineering manager, traveling hitchhiker and seminary dropout. Wow. <laughs> What's a busker? A busker is a street musician. Oh, I thought it was like somebody who like uh, thrashes thrashes weed or something. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, it's it's a term they use in Europe. So all their street musicians are called okay. buskers. Well, I think I meant husker anyway. So <laughs> anyway, Troy lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, with his beautiful wife Kathy. He has two sons, two daughters, and a son-in-law. 
And so, Troy, man, it's it's always good to have you on the show. I know that we will have no dead air when Troy Mangum and Jim Ramos come together. That doing, is so, uh, it's so great to, to be back and hanging out with you. And absolutely, no dead air. Everybody prepare. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Troy, I have a couple personal questions for you. And sure. then I want to get into the book. And so I know in the book you spend uh, maybe the first quarter part of the book talking about your personal story. But... You know, you were doing the Kindling Fire podcast, and you were just kind of moving forward and doing some great things. And all of a sudden, you kind of dropped off the grid and your fa- took your family and went to Hawaii and lived there for like six months as a DTS student. So yes. you took your family and went to YWAM's Discipleship Training School. Can you walk us through that a little bit, a little backstory? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as all good things start with your wife... <laughs> In this particular case, the Lord stirred my wife. We took our oldest to YWAM in Kona. We were celebrating our 20th anniversary, and we spent some time in Hawaii. I think you just did recently, and yep. man, it's just beautiful. And then the Lord kind of like started uh, kind of spurring her on with this question. You know, you guys wanted to do this back in your 20s. You could do this. And we've got two kids in college. We've got a mortgage. We've got, we're above, uh, she's in her 40s, but I'm in my 50s. And, and it just was like, that's a radical idea. And so essentially she talked to me about it. And I said, here's all the reasons why that's not going to work. <laughs> you know? and, and, and then God just started increasing my faith and my desire to really jump off that cliff in my, and that's how it felt. And so we did. We, I quit my job. We did it by faith. We had supporters. We had a little bit of savings. And, and we didn't know where it would lead. And, and at the end of that six months, the Lord said, okay, go back. And uh, the Lord, we were able to keep the house. We didn't lose it. God gave me a job right when I needed it without me asking. Like, it all worked out. Our testimony is that no matter what it is, God can do it. And now that I put everything on the line, even after 50, my testimony is, man, God is so faithful. And I'm so grateful for God leading me in that adventure and our family. We brought our two uh, teenage kids with us to the Philippines is where we ended up. Oh, man. So that, that is so cool, man. So, you know, it's, it's, my wife and I just got back from Maui. So it was our 29th, 29th anniversary. She's a flight attendant. We did a 48-hour layover. And, man, we want to move there someday. It's insane. But just to go there and to, to receive and be trained by some world-class teachers, then go uh, do Were you in Manila? Where did you end up in the Philippines? We ended up in the South Island, which is Mindanao. And it's actually an island where there was some ISIS activity uh, in the southern part of the island. And so there was, and we were a family DTS. So we were, we had the, we had the oldest kids, but most people had toddlers or, or elementary school kids. And we were leading the team to this place that ISIS had, ISIS had some activity. And so, but by the, by the grace of God, we never were in a dangerous situation, but we were able to reach unreached tribes with the gospel. We, our family personally saw, I think a hundred I think 120 salvations, just our family alone. Wow. And, and our team saw about 250 total. And it was just, it was powerful, but it was also difficult. We got dengue, which I talk about in the book, which is like malaria. Uh, the we is a greater we. My family didn't get it, but our team got it, which is, it, it can be extremely deadly. Um, it's wow. passed by mosquitoes and et cetera. And we had dysentery, we had parasites. And we had the grace of God. We had it all. <laughs> it was wow. quite an experience, man. That's insane. That is really so. So when you say, so, are there pills that you can take to not get this stuff? So uh, in in the Philippines, uh, with that infectious mosquito, basically you wear off all the time all the time like you get up and you put on off because there is these infectious mosquitoes and so i think two of our team members didn't and it's so nasty that basically what it does is it leaks your blood cells and so so you you get um dehydrated and they watch your uh your blood cell count and it can get to the point where you need to get a blood transfusion so it's really a nasty nasty disease now they didn't get to that point they looked like they had measles. They were wiped out for about a, uh, a week, and I had to take them to the hospital to do blood counts every single day. 
and and eventually they they got better and and it was all fine but yeah it was pretty tenuous there for a moment so so that's kind of weird that you are actually leading that team because normally when you're a dts student they don't right. let you be a leader so how'd that work out so uh what happened was they when we went to the philippines uh, we had a team of seven families and so which was i don't know how many with kids everybody had two kids at least some had four um and and we were going to split up. So we went to Cebu, which is a central island. And then they asked us to lead a team to this, quote unquote, dangerous island. Um, and and we had prayed about it. And we felt like we felt like uh, we should go there. And there was this other people that said they felt they should go. And then they asked us, would you lead that team? So as students, we led that team. And, and I'm telling you what, it was no joke. I mean, we were doing evangelism or praying for the sick or going to prisons and hospitals and on the streets and you name it, we were doing it probably tw two times to three times a day, six days a week. Like wow. it was, it was no joke. <laughs> well, you know, it's really, it's really interesting. I started a new habit about probably three months ago now where whenever I go out to uh, eat, which I do that a lot, I ask the waiter or waitress, Hey, I prayed before my meals. How can I pray for you? And so my responses have been really, really interesting some are really excited about being prayed for. Some are Christians. A lot of times I just kind of get, uh, nothing. Uh, th yeah, thank you. But, you know, but my, I was doing that with one of my sons who's actually involved in ministry. He said, I don't know why you're doing that, Dad, because you're like invading people's lives. And I, and I said to him, that's what the gospel does. <laughs> yeah, and, see, and this is the this is the problem when you say salvations and you talk about sharing your faith I, i'm so inspired by that because i'm afraid we're living in a world where we're so wrapped up in is covid a pandemic or a pandemic is it fox news is it nbc is it what's real what's not what we have to realize is we are kingdom citizens amen and we need to share the gospel and we need to stop being ashamed of the gospel romans 1 16 and find every opportunity to share the gospel. You know, as you transition back to states, have you seen that that evangelistic spirit is still kindled inside yeah. of you? So it was a burden when we first got back. I mean, we first got back and we were just like, I mean, we've been living in, we've been living in some rough conditions. I'll just yeah. put it that way in tight yeah. spots. We got back and we we're like, what are we doing with this house? What are we doing? That was, it's like, we don't need any of this stuff. You know, we've been living in one room as a family of four. And, um, and, and that, and that desire to continue to do ministry was pretty hot then, but then it cooled off. And, and so now I've been on this journey being like, you know what, God, I know there's still boldness encouraging me to extend the gospel. Uh, and so what's been so great is I run this um, uh, young men's initiative called Hochoka Men based on the Bible and, and, um, and Native American practices. And we have like a joint leadership model. And so these, this Green Beret guy that's a friend of mine, Army Ranger actually, uh, very intense dude. Um, I said, look, you're in charge of the NEC initiative. Like how can we challenge young men? And he's like street evangelism praying for the sick in the streets, going, you know, praying and going. So our next event, instead of us doing some sort of physical challenge or whatever, you know, we're like, we're going to do evangelism. And it's exciting me. It's scaring me, number one, and it's exciting me. And I'm like, you know what, this is the right thing to do. And now I don't have to do it alone. And and we're, it's older and younger men going out and just being bold. And man, it's been a long time. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it's really funny, Troy. I want to dive into your book, Fatherhood Face Plants, just in a second here. But it's really interesting. You know, this book I'm writing, one of the chapters is just called, I took the 20 qualifications of biblical eldership, put one word on it, and then a subtitle. So this one chapter I wrote is called Witness, either a missionary or mission field. And I have found that there are so many weak sauce Christian men in America <laughs> because we get so wrapped up in defending uh you know, our, our political views or, you know, this or that, instead of realizing there is a lost world out there that desperately needs Jesus. And that waiter who serves me dinner and that, that barista that serves me coffee, if I can say one thing, 
Not a nice thing. They don't need nice people. They need people who are committed to the gospel and sharing Jesus because this world is desperately, desperately in need of Jesus. And we need some men out there that have some cojones that are willing to actually share, you know, and it's really frustrating for me. So when I hear you doing that, that's inspiring because I'm like, man, you know, I just met a Filipino person the other day. You know, but they live in America and they're Americans. You know, let's go after that one. You know what I'm saying? Let's man, find I, these guys. Man, we are so much alike. While you're talking, I'm thinking, who's got the kahunas? And then you say it. I'm yeah, telling you, yeah. like, I, they, everybody's like, oh, I want to man up. I want to be a man. I want to be all these masculine things. And they're like, go share the gospel. No, no, no. I want to fight about political things. That is absolutely the definition of weak sauce. And if that doesn't like share the gospel, you want to do scary things. You want to be manly and courageous and brave and have a mission. And you know, the bigger, the larger story and every other masculine thing, go share the gospel, go put yourself on the line. Well, I was on a plane flight to Maui with this anniversary and I sat next to a dude who actually is, I'm going to call him a friend. Now he's a friend. Uh, he's married 20, 20, 20 years married now. And, uh, you know, same relationship forever. But he's married to a dude. <laughs> he was married to a dude. And so for me, I was like, okay. But he and I connected. We became friends. And I'm like, you know, this guy's awesome. We politically aligned and all that. But I walked away going, you know, we aligned in so many areas except for the, the guy's awesome. But he doesn't know Jesus. And that's yeah. really what matters most. And so we need to make sure that we are building bridges between every human on the planet so that we can share Christ with these guys and gals because oh, we live in a world that desperately needs it so Amen. hey but I want to this is just you and I spitballing right now let's dive <laughs> into the podcast so I want to oh, talk absolutely. about your book fatherhood face plants because like I said I love the title the cover you know I get these guys write these books and they have flowers on the cover and all these weird things you've got a guy doing a scorpion on the cover that thing's <laughs> awesome man so I mean this is like uh, you know I love this stuff so hey so tell me about the book why yeah. did you write this book why why is there a need for a book called fatherhood and the subtitle here is how to get back up and be the dad your kids need so uh, I know from reading the book and endorsing the book that you have your own personal experiences but but beyond your personal experiences what what's what's the purpose of the book man I tell you I can it's very simple I have a mission to help fatherless sons become fathers for generations to come. These are men that did not have maybe the best model dad or did not have a dad, and now they find themselves as a dad. And they may have a deficit of what the heck do I do, and I make I don't want to screw up my kids, and I'm all and I'm already kind of not quite stable myself because of my background or whatever my choices. And this book is to help those men uh, through my personal story and also things lessons I feel like the Lord kind of taught me along the way is to say look it's a it's about getting back up getting it back up is the key for it's not about your face planning it's about the getting back up and letting God help you train you father you so that you become an amazing dad for generations to come well see you have a couple phrases in your book I want to address but that's that's what I love about this book is that it says it's not a matter about if you're going to face plant. Dude, you're going to face plant. If you're a good father, you're going to face plant. So, yeah. but, but you said fatherless kids. And I want to go back to that because in America, 40% of children are born without a dad, a biological yeah. dad. So we already have 40% of kids coming into this world without a biological father. And then of those with a biological father, 50% of those kids won't have dad in the home by the time they're 18 through mm -hmm. a divorce. And of those who get divorced, 40% won't see dad for an entire year. In other words, we have a pandemic on our hands and like, and there is no vaccine for it except Jesus. And these guys, we need dads. Amen. We need dads. And so in your Amen. book, you wrote this, you wrote, I plan to show how God helped me get back up, taking me from a wreck of a man to a whole healthy and healed dad. On this journey, we'll explore how our personal victories become our children's inheritance. I love mm. this part, Troy, how humility comes before honor, Amen. how to fight for our family, and how to train children in spiritual warfare. So that is so good, man. And so when, a, when an author writes a book called Fatherhood Face Plants, 
that is a very humble title. So, and I think humility is what set David apart from mm. Solomon, let's say, you know, yeah. and I think humility is what set, um, sets a man apart. Will you explain the phrase humility precedes honor? What does that mean to you and to men out there? So, uh, so one of the, 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 what I would use as a, mm. God uses our failure to show our need for him. Yes. And, and to show us our limitations and, and what we're capable of or what we, what we at times truly are. And, um, and so humility comes when you look at the reality of, in my case, the mess I had made. I wanted to blame my wife. I wanted to blame my kids. I wanted to blame my job. I wanted to blame my dad. I wanted to blame somebody, which is pride. And it's not taking responsibility and it's in its boyish behavior. God helped me face reality, look in the mirror and say, this is who you really are. But in his, he, he never lifted his love for me. And he said, now face that reality and humble yourself. Mm. And, and it ain't going to be a day. It's not going to be, you know, an afternoon of humility. This is months and if not years of true humility walked out, owning what you've done, taking responsibility, changing direction, owning the changing direction, repenting. And then over time, honor came. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so much men, they want to demand that honor. Like they want to grab their Bible and say, it says, respect me. It says, obey me. It says all these things. And it's like, uh, you're a derelict and you're what it's like, why don't you repent? Why don't you humble yourself and then let God raise you up, not demanding things because, you know, Bible scriptures. Well, you know, Troy, it's so funny, man. This is where you and I resonate, bro. I am such a fan of humility and I'm mm -hmm. such a I think there's strength in humility. I think there's strength in vulnerability. I think that, you know, all that means is I'm a stallion with a bridle. And God's riding the horse type of thing. Amen. And it's really interesting. Every 10 years, uh, you're at marriage, our, our marriage at year 20. So right where you are now, we had a dip in our marriage. It wasn't caused by anything weird. We just hit a low spot. So we went through counseling. And so we decided every 10 years, we're going to go through counseling because we want to have a great marriage. So we are in the middle. So we just celebrate our 29th year anniversary. So we are in the middle of counseling uh, right wow. now. And it's really funny because uh, we're, we're using Preparing Riches, which I'm licensed as a Preparing Rich counselor. So we have somebody who's counseling us in something I am licensed to do. And I'm going through this thing with my wife this week. We were just having our counseling session yesterday. And I was going through it. And I'm looking at our scores. And we had two really, really low scores there around communication because my wife and I uh, are working on being better at not attacking each other when we yeah. communicate. Amen. And I looked at that score and I, I told the gal uh, counseling us, I said, you know what, listen, that score is a reflection of both of us, but that is my fault. Hmm. Because if I can fix how I communicate with her, everything will be better. And that's what we're saying here. In humility, guys, you guys listening, in humility... We've got to realize that when a man gets it, everyone wins. Amen. Sometimes what you have to get, dude, is that you're doing the scorpion on your face because you face planted because you suck. <laughs> and, and you have to just admit that area, guy. And you got to move forward, right, Troy? I mean, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's what your whole book's about, dude. That I tell you what, if if it's if that book is not a mirror, I don't know what is. And I gotta say, <laughs> uh, if I don't, I gotta say that I love some Jim Ramos right now. And I tell you what, man, <laughs> the fact that you've got the 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 guts to do something like quote, I'm qualified, I'm this, I'm that, yet you're yielding yourself yes. to receive wisdom. And you're going to get wisdom. You're going to have an amazing marriage. And all those people that are so qualified and all these other things, and they're so prideful, they're not going to receive what you get. And so I applaud you, man. That is freaking awesome. Yeah, it's it's been a really cool thing. Uh, it's been really good for us, man. It's been humbling. It's been great. But we're doing it because our marriage is already strong. Yeah, we no, just want it better. We're not in a crisis. We just want it better. So, Amen. you know, you, you talked about four lessons that you learned from your fatherhood face plants. Now guys listening, every week I do a blog and we send this out to thousands of guys around the country. 
And I'm going to write about these four things in this week's Equipping Blast. So if you do not have our Equipping Blast, go to our website and subscribe and get it. So let's talk about these lessons, Troy, because I think these are so powerful. Lesson number one in the fatherhood face plant. I just like saying that. <laughs> it, it, just, it just feels right to me. Uh, lesson number one in the fatherhood face plant journey is this. Personal victories become your children's inheritance. Now, now, Troy, what do you mean by what do you mean by this? And and then what do you mean by fight? You talk about fighting for your family in the book. What what why why is it so important to fight for our family in order to find these victories? Because I would say victories don't come without a fight, right? Yeah, winning amen. doesn't come without a battle. So talk us through this. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to refer back to the Bible. Like the Israelites, by God, were given a land. And when Joshua finally, you know, Moses had passed away, Joshua was leading them into the promise. He said, okay, here is the promised land. Here, you tribe, you get this section. You tribe, you get that section. And then he told them, oh, by the way, there are enemies in that land. It's yours by faith. God has already given it to you, but you're going to have to fight to obtain the thing God has already promised you. And so... It is to me symbolic, and what that means is that um, that uh, it's uh, Psalm sixty-nine. Uh, I believe it's verse thirty-five and thirty-six. It basically, I will paraphrase the um, the land the fathers possessed. So they were given a promise by God. The land the fathers possessed became their children's inheritance. So if they went into the promised land and fought off all the enemies like God said to do then their children would grow up without enemies in the home. Now, most men don't fight that battle. They, they, want, they whine and complain, oh God, why are there enemies in the land? Why did I grow up in such a bad home? What, why do I you know, deal with this or that or the other? And then they don't realize that if they don't overcome those enemies... And, and gain victory over pornography, gain victory over uh, lying, gain victory over, you know, cheating on money, then that becomes what you, in, you give to your kids as a, an inheritance. Here you go. Here's my lack of victory in pornography. Here's my lack of victory in money. Here's my lack of victory in learning how to communicate in an honorable way. And that becomes your children's inheritance because you never fought the fight and overcame. God's call for all men is to win and then to pass that victory on to your kids. You know what's really funny, Troy? I, I'd never thought of it that way. That God gives a promise and then has you fight for that promise. Yep. That's really interesting. You know, the only time in the Bible that I can find in the New Testament, now I may be wrong here, the only time in the Bible where God promises something without a fight is wisdom. In James 1.5, he says, if you ask for wisdom, I'm just going to give it to you. And I think that's because guys need it <laughs> so <Amen>. bad. <laughs> you know. And so that's powerful. You have to fight to obtain the promise. So, so if lesson one is personal victories become our children's inheritance, can you explain uh, this watershed man and helping mm. his family uh, overcome generational sin, which generational sin means, you know, alcoholic parents tend to produce alcoholic children. Yeah. Child abusing parents tend to produce child abusing children. You know, uh, divorced parents tend to produce divorced children. So this is a definitely uh, a statistical, a biblical, uh, but, but this can actually be stopped in the name of Amen. Jesus. So, so Amen. talk about the watershed man. I've never heard this phrase before. Yeah, so um, the watershed man is basically the man that stands between one generation, the generation that they grew up in and the generation in front of them. And that watershed man is basically going to make a decision. Will I overcome what my fathers did not or my, or my parents did not? Or will I not? Will I allow it to overcome me? Now, when I look at the Bible, I see the promise, if you will, the promised land again, the promise of an amazing family of amazing teenagers, of amazing kids, kids that love Jesus, kids that are killing it in life, in every aspect of life. You know, it says the children of the righteous will be mighty in the land, Psalm 112. There are so many promises in the Bible about what your family life could be. And the watershed man is the man that says, you know what, I believe those things. And I'm going to do whatever I can with God's help to make sure that the things that I inherited, no matter what they are, 
I can overcome by God's grace. And the generations after me, there is no more alcoholism. There is no more uh, addiction of pornography. There is no more, you know, some other trait that your, your father, your grandfather, your grandmother, they never dealt with. They just let it keep rolling. They never had that, you know, time the octagon saying this ends on this generation from now on. Well, that's really funny because I'm from a divorce situation. My parents got divorced my 13th birthday, and I vowed that would never happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, this is going to stop right here. Yep. And, you know, and my wife and I are for both first generation Christians, and so you know, at some point you've got to say, as for general, you got to do a Joshua 24:15, baby. As for me and my household, yeah. we're going to change things. So this is really interesting. So I love this picture in my mind. You know, I've got this man mind, right? I'm seeing this roof and I'm seeing this water kind of pouring off of it. And you've got this guy saying, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to create a new environment or a safe environment and things are going to go past us, right? It's going to, mm. we're going to bypass this generational curse and we're going to create a safe place underneath this roof, right? Amen. So I see this word picture, but then I think of this, Troy, I think that roofs all leak. We have mm. leaks. Yeah. And so your lesson two is very simple. It's repair the breach. Yeah. And so I so you and then when I think about this roof leaking and preparing the breach, you say in your book that men are, dads are like walls. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with this roof thing. I would say like dads are like roofs. Yeah. So sure. so when you talk about repairing the breach for the watershed man, lesson number two, what what does that mean to you? Yeah. So um, so. With the analogy, I'll just stick with the wall analogy. Men are okay. like men are like walls. So you've been you are a protective defensive force for anything that God has entrusted to you, a wife, children, a company, a ministry, a church. Now, a breach is an access point. It basically ah. is it, it's a it's a breach in the access point that says at this point there's a low this brought wall is broken down. Okay? And and so that's that's where you get access point. And, and I'll just do a quick test for you guys that are listening. Uh, if, okay, let me, before I give you the test, in, outside of the wall is battle, right? It's warfare. Inside of the wall, peace, room, uh, just, just relaxed atmosphere, a blessing, right? When there's a breach, the war that is outside comes into the war that's inside because they get access. So it's chaotic. It's, it's sort of like, what's your family life like? I'm not talking about, you know, young kids running around making noise. I'm talking about, is it just tumultuous, right? It's just, it feels like, like this visceral battle you can't win. Most likely there's probably a breach somewhere that you need to, as a man, come to God, repent, get counseling, get help, get mentors, get around other men, do whatever it can so that that breach, just like in Nehemiah, you start building up that wall and said, you know what? It's impenetrable now. Go ahead, devil. Try to tempt me. Go ahead, devil. Try to come at me. I've got my, I got friends that got my six and this wall has been repaired. And so it eliminates access points. And so no longer do you get those, those demonic access points into your kids or your family. And then all of a sudden, wow, my home is is pretty freaking amazingly peaceful. I'm still at war. I'm still vigilant. I'm still, you know, fighting whatever battle's going to come, but it's on behalf of them and they're enjoying the benefits. Well, that's so good, man. And it's, you know, it's really interesting as you're talking about the wall. I thought about the Great Wall of China. You know, it's, it's 13,171 miles long. It took 300 years to make. And, you know, I think it, it's, I think it stood for years and years and years. And finally, Genghis Khan invaded. China through the Great Wall. Have you heard this story? No, I haven't. And 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 it's really interesting. After he kind of invaded China and, and came in and and got through the wall and did his thing, they asked him, "Well, how did you do that? You know, this brawl, this wall is thirteen hundred miles long. It's it's got guards everywhere. It's fortified. How could you ever invade China?" He said, "Oh, we bribed the gatekeeper." <laughs> and 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 I think this is what you're saying here, man. Is that as a man who wants to avoid uh, fatherhood face plants, there's an element of masculinity that says, "Hey, guy, we need to we need to guard our minds, yeah, and protect the things that we're allowing to invade us, because the mind is the gatekeeper to the soul." Amen. And I think that when a man goes down because he relents, 
or he veers off course, I think that he he endangers his legacy and his family. Yeah, and that's such a great analogy. So my the breach I thought about is sort of like a wrecking ball. You, you ah. know, it, it, a wrecking ball came through and, and something happened to you and it's still a breach access point. But you can also have a breach from your choices. That's yes. you as the gatekeeper of your soul saying, hey, I'm going to compromise. Nobody's going to know what's going to really happen. You read the Bible, what happens when men compromise and the generations after them, that compromise gets huge and loud and more pronounced and more egregious and awful. Right. When you think, oh, it's just my secret sin. It's just my little compromise. The devil knows it does not play in, man. He knows when you're compromising. Well, and let's say it is a secret sin. So you mentioned pornography, which is a massive problem with men. Sure. I, it's the sin of lust manifested through pornography. Yeah. Amen. You know, that is the big secret. Right. So at some point, a man has to say, this is no longer a secret sin. I'm right. going to expose myself to this sin i'm going to make this sin public to the my generation beneath me i.e my children hmm. so that they can break this curse and have freedom right because god's will for us is freedom amen freedom to move within the walls without without uh having this sin which is a huge thing about why am i love they're all about freedom amen and yeah. Jesus said he came to set the captives free. Do you want to elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, number one, there's hope. My testimony yeah. is I don't care how deep in, in anything, there's hope. There are men that have walked away. I have walked away by the grace of God. And I've done it specifically two ways, walking in the light. I'm not a perfect man. I haven't been a perfect man in that. But I've walked in the light and when it really counts. So you can yeah. confess to your brothers but when it really counts, it's when you confess to the one you're hurting, which is your wife, you know, to God and to your wife. And I'm not saying, oh, do that right now, but there will be a time the Lord's like, you're not playing anymore. It's coming. It's getting exposed and you're getting into the light. That's number one. Number two is when you can talk about it honestly with your kids. Look, here's all the sexual things that I made mistakes in, and I want you to avoid that. I want to be honest. I want to, sh I want to give you strategy because the devil's going to come. And he's going to come knocking like he came to me. But I'm going to tell you, my testimony is you can overcome. And here's some ways you can do it. Yeah, that is that is so powerful. And that's repairing the breach, right? Yeah, absolutely. Say, you don't look at your house leaking or you don't look at a hole in the wall and going, there's no, there's what, what hole? Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? There's a hole. And yeah. so that's so good, man, which is, which really is lesson number three. Yeah. And I think this is hard for guys. You know, I, my wife, it's really funny. So we were on the plane flying back from our 29th anniversary in, in Maui, and she's my flight attendant. So she's actually working. She's actually working the flight. So it's kind of like a fantasy come true, right? I'm going to go home and sleep with my flight attendant, guaranteed. But I'm sitting here trying to. I'm trying to watch a movie. I'm trying to watch a movie, and I can't get access to it. And she's like, "Oh, it's because your Covenant Eyes server won't let you." Mm -hmm. So, so my wife is my accountability partner on Covenant yeah, Eyes. Amen. And so my kids will say to me, well, dad, are you addicted to porn? I'm like, no, but I, I probably would be mm -hmm. if I didn't have protection and guardrails built. Yeah, because here, here's why, Troy, and because I, I, I know what I'm capable of. Yep. I don't know if guys are willing to admit what they're capable of. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I, I, I'm just curious about this. So we've seen a lot of guys in the news in the last three years, mega church guys, world-class spiritual leaders. We've seen a lot of these guys fall because yeah. of sexual sin, mm -hmm. right? Do you, what, what is your take on that? Why do you think that happened? Why, why do you, how, and most of these guys were in their 60s or older when they fell. So what, what's your take on this? Um, I've come to believe through my experience that God's justice is his mercy. Mm. So we talk about how awful it, his fall is. Maybe that's the very thing that they that they needed to be rescued and to receive mercy from the Lord mm. instead of it all being a charade. We love charades, right? You talked about the social media fake news. We, yeah. God is not about the fake. He's about the real. True. And, and so I would say at some times, and that's been my experience, when God's justice, God is a just God. He will sometimes allow exposure for the mercy of the rescue of the person. 
even though it looks like, oh, I could never, you know, handle that. I'm telling you, read this book. God, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I, I went through dark, dark days and God exposed everything in my life. And it is his mercy. I am a happy, healed, whole man, but I went through hell and back. And I believe God initiated most of it with me also contributing all of my sin along the way. You know, well, so that's yeah. my answer to that. I think you're absolutely right. I think the other side of the coin that guys need to realize is that Satan is a patient predator. Yeah, amen. You know, he will wait decades for the right opportunity to take. I mean, look at we had a guy recently who died and his sins, his sins weren't exposed till after he died, a world-class yeah. leader. Yeah. And so so and it it just ruined the guy's ministry. And so I I see this thing where Satan will sit back as a patient predator, but then God in his mercy and his justice, because God really cares more about us than our ministry. He doesn't yeah. need us to, to, to build his kingdom. He allows us to be involved in that. So that's really good, man. So live in. So let when me, you let talk me just about say, this, let me say one yeah. thing. I had a guest on that filled this man's shoes as a president of a theological seminary. So after wow. after this guy that we were talking about, if you know who he is, uh -huh. he, he, he went on to stardom, if you will. And the guy that filled his shoes behind him became the president of a seminary. He had a mental breakdown. Oh. He is now in like healing, inner healing ministry and nobody knows his name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when that happened, he is a healthy, healed, whole, helping others guy that nobody knows because he's not famous yet. I mean, it's just such a stark contrast. He was one of my guests. I can't remember his name now, but it was when that <laughs> happened, when that happened, I was just like, oh my gosh, I wonder what he thinks about it. You know, cause he's, everybody's trying to live up, you know, in these whatever lofty plans that, you know what, follow the Lord and how he is. He might be saving you from a lot. <laughs> well, when you read the Bible, the thing that's scary to me, I was just talking to my board members about this two days ago. You know, our ministry is really expanding and God is growing it. And the, the we wrote a book, came out a couple months ago, and it was a number one bestseller on Amazon. And so things are happening. And that's a, I, that creates a fear in me because when God allows guys to get to this famous yeah. realm, no, that's man. when they are the most tempted to fall. You know, David, you talked about David. And the Bible said, and I think it was uh, 1 Samuel 11, when the all the kings went out to war, King David lounged on the roof. And a couple couple days later, he was in bed with Bathsheba. So in lesson three, you talk about living uncovered and, and you make a statement in there. And I think this is a huge statement because I think one of the things that takes dads out is they 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 keep face planting. Right. Amen. And they say they say, man, I keep face planting. Everything around me is crumbling and they allow, you know, you know, and Romans eight one says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and instead of doing what your book is saying and just get back up again, get back up again, get back right. up again, these guys allow what, what you call dad guilt yep. to ruin them. Can you talk to us about dad guilt? I think that's a great word for guys to hear today. Yeah, so dad guilt basically, and it was so exemplified by, by David's life in, in when, when Absalom was driving him out. You know, he had this cloak on. He felt so bad about himself, and people were cursing him as the way out, and and. He said of himself, well, let him curse. It's probably God cursing me. Here's the deal. Yeah. You want to make things worse than your face plant? Go ahead and sulk in it. Go ahead and have a self-pity party while God himself bled on the cross for your forgiveness. Go ahead and have a self-pity party about how God's not forgiven you and how now you have an excuse to go be passive dad and abandon your family in your guilt. And, and I get into, I, I, I man to man in that book. And I basically say, <laughs> there is a powerful scripture. I think it's in Hebrew who says, talking about trampling on the blood of Jesus. And it's sort of like, how dare you? And so I'm the guy that's going to say, get up, stop the self-pity party. Do you believe in the forgiveness of God? Engage, get back up. Yes. God has not released you. Your job, you have not been fired from the job as being a dad because you sinned. It is called repentance, humility, the hard road, and there will be restoration. But the dad guilt thing that you feel, and you feel it deeply, and you want to sit in a circle and talk about how bad you are, I'm going to be the guy that's in your face saying, stop it. God's blood is stronger than your guilt, and you need to engage. 
And I'm sorry well, to be strong on that point, but it's so important. Well, here's the problem, buddy. What you said just now, you said, hey, you're feeling, you're feeling, you're feeling. Listen, dude, yeah. get over your damn feelings. <laughs> it's about the facts. We live in this world. It's all about feelings. You know, I heard John Maxwell once said, winners do it first and feel good about it later. Whiners want to feel good before they do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, uh, uh, Troy, but I'm in a constant battle every day about doing something because it's the right thing to do and doing something, wait until I feel good to do it. No, Key amen. thing is, is eating right, I'm, exercising I'm right, right reading my Bible, right? You know, uh, not engaging in negative talk. And so these are all things that, that guys, we have to realize that your feelings, I don't want to sound harsh here. They really don't matter. They aren't a kingdom focused item. Fact yeah. is, truth is, and this is as a believer, we're men of truth. And so guys, we, if you're struggling with feelings that of guilt and shame, uh, I think you have to repent of that, quite frankly. Amen. Because the Bible says you're already forgiven of that. And, and you quoted that verse where it's like, it's like crucifying the Lord all over again. He's already mm-hmm. died for, he's already died for your sin. Yeah. You know, and this is what, you know, it's really funny. And I don't know if guys understand this and maybe I'm wrong theologically here, Troy, if I am push me around a little bit. Okay. When I gave my life to Jesus, he forgave me for all of my sins in the past, all of my sins in the present and all of the sins in the future. So I am, I am redeemed theologically. The reason why I confess according to Mark chapter or Matthew chapter six and, and first John one nine, I confess to find freedom, to find healing and to, to restore a relationship that I broke because of sin, although I'm already forgiven. Am I theologically off there? No, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, Because if God is omniscient, he already knows. He knows and he chose you. He knows and he forgave you. I mean, give God credit. You might not think great about yourself, but God thinks you're awesome. And he chose you and he wants you to walk in your fullness as a dad, as a man, and what he's called you to do. And you can't do that walking around feeling like guilt. Now, it also says don't play with God. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, I'm just always forgiven and I don't take responsibility. God cannot be mocked. You will sow what you, you will reap what you sow. Yeah. So it's, it's not a, a free, it's a free ticket. But it's God is still just, like we talked about earlier. Well, we've got to be careful because you just quoted uh, you just quoted uh, Galatians six, uh, chapter uh, chapter Galatians six verses seven and eight, and in Romans chapter six we see something similar, right? Do you remember that passage at all? In Romans six, uh, Paul is saying, "What shall we say then? Are we to continue in yeah, sin so that exactly. grace may increase?" He says, "May it never be. You've been buried in Christ." So, guys, listen. I am not a fan of like free grace. Do whatever you want because I think that grace is free. But, buddy, it ain't cheap. Amen. It ain't cheap. It's going to cost you your life. It costs Jesus his life. And so, Amen. as we talk about this, you know, you said you told the guys to walk in their failures, and I would just again, again, go back to your chapter, your book title: "Walk in Your Face Plants." Guys, embrace your face plants. You're going to fail, get back up again, you know, which is, which is like lesson four. Right. And I think this is really critical, Troy, as a guy is walking through life, as a guy is going, okay, lesson one, I need to let my personal victories become my children's inheritance. Lesson mm. two, I need to repair all breaches in the wall. Lesson mm. three, I need to live uncovered. In other words, I need to get free from that dad guilt and be willing to share you know, my struggles and uh, my victories with those I love the most. And then lesson four is this, and I think this is so critical. And, 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 and I think this is lesson four is really where men are wired differently than women. Hmm. Women are masters at seeing the short game. They're great at seeing everything around them right now. They are so good about seeing their surroundings and knowing what's going on. My wife is so great about going, hey, this, 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 this. But what she fails to do, and I think this is a, a man thing, she doesn't play long ball. She doesn't see the big mm. picture the way I do. I think men have been wired by God to see the big picture. And your I lesson think. four is something very similar. You're saying play the long game. Amen. So what? why does God thwart our personal ambitions sometimes in favor of family goals when we're playing this long game. 
Yeah, so so I the best analogy that I heard was in sports, and it's this. Um, you go out, you're super intense, you, you, you nail it, and somebody uh, hits your knee, and it, it gets your knee out of whack, right? And you come back to the sidelines, and they're like, yeah, you're going to have to stay, you can't play right now, you're like, we're going to have to heal up. So you play, you, you sit on the bench a game, you sit on a bench two games, you know, and then by the third game, you're like, I'm good to go. And the doctor's like, no, you're not. No, no, I'm good to go. Come on, put me back in the game. I want to be in the thick of everything that I could do career-wise, you know, in, in sports and whatever. And, and the doctor keeps saying no. Here's the situation. They're thinking tactical. This season, this game, I want to be in it. Now, I may not be ready. I may not be emotionally ready, spiritually ready, physically ready, but I just, I just want it so bad. Just put me in before it's time. And if God were to say yes to a lot of the things you ask him for, it's basically like it could potentially wipe you out and it could wipe mm -hmm. your family out. And the long game is him saying, do you want a career in football or do you want to be a, a lightning bolt that, that strikes, makes an impact, and you're gone forever. You're gone out of the game. Nobody remembers you in a year. And most men live that way. Whereas God is saying, play the long game. If God's telling you no, like for me, I was like, I want to be a missionary. I want to, be, I want to do amazing things. I want to do exciting things. All the while, my emotional state couldn't have handled it. You know, I would have been in a complete wreck. I would have been awful to my family. And it probably would have blown everything up. So God, in my 20s and 30s, said, no, 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 no to me. While I'm saying, I want to go to Africa, take my family to Africa. So the point is that, that, is that God is always playing the long game. And he may be leading you as, so your personal victories sometimes are tactical short game ideas, right? Uh, I'll give you another example. I'm in tech, I'm in technology. I saw all these tech salespeople flying everywhere, doing, you know, eating well and making lots of money. And I was like, I want to be one of those people. And the Lord's like, no, I want you to stay home. But I want to be one of these jet setters and making a bunch of money. Nope, stay home. And, and now looking back, I'm like, thank God I didn't abandon my family looking for adventure, looking for money, looking for some kudos from some guys, but I invested in my home and now I'm reaping all the benefits. So God is always about the long game. Hopefully that helps. Well, that, you know, again, going back to social media, right? We have a social media presence. We're trying to grow our presence. And it's really interesting. If I just put on a thong and had a boob job, I would have a million followers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I, I, I notice these, these things and some of these people that have all these followers and I go, oh, honey, if you just realize how you're ruining your life with a short game, we have to. Yeah, it's not about it's not about you now. It's about you when you're 40 as a mom. Yeah. Do you want yeah. your children to see that? You know, I call this paper fire. You know, this this we have to we have to get hot and burn bright. But but that doesn't last. Yeah, it's it's yeah. putting the logs on the fire. It's it's burning over time. It's it's building a non-compromising life. Yeah, over time. And I think we live in a world of this technology we live in. People think they can have things. I mean, dude, I ordered magnesium. I, I use magnesium as a sleep aid, right? So yeah. I ordered magnesium on Amazon, and it came the next day. The next day. Yeah. I mean, we live in that world where when we were growing up. You, you would, you know, I mean, it would be weeks for something yeah. to show up. And so yeah. I think there's this, there's this transformation of the mind that has to happen where guys realize, man, that we are in this for the long haul. My marriage, I've got to look 60 years down the road. My kids, I've got to look down the road. Yeah. Amen. I don't, I don't know, man. So why do you, why do you think, and I, I love this in your book, why do you think the best thing a man can do like what do you think let me just rephrase this what do you think the best thing a man can do for his family is what is the best thing he can do oh if, uh, it's that's an easy answer he can become the most amazing man that god has called him to be because then that he becomes a resource for his family and that's amazing in god's definition so it's it's very much a um you can't give what you don't already know. You know how to get back up. Now you can show your kids how to get back up. You know how to overcome whatever disappointment. Now you can offer your kids to overcome disappointment. 
you become allowing God to grow you to be everything he wants you to be becomes a resource and a blessing to your wife, your family, your kids, your friends in whatever community. And so it's and that may sound selfish, but God is not selfish. He's very interested in the benefit of you growing in maturity in Christ and that positively affecting your entire surroundings, which is everything you're about, man. When a man gets it, everybody wins. It's exactly what it is. So let's, let's break this down. So, and I think guys listening to this podcast are already on their way to this first thing, but what are some things you recommend for a man to grow mentally or intellectually? Well, books. I mean, so, so reading, I mean, uh, this is a video watching culture. Um, it takes some discipline to read. I'm not saying every book is good. You've got some in the trash. I, like I, I've got to that point now where I'm just like, this guy's not, this, the, the heart's not here. I don't, I don't, it doesn't have the zest. But there are so many good books that will help you in different areas. You got, you got, you're a dad of daughters. Uh, go get uh, a daddy daughter book. You're a dad of sons. Go get it about raising sons. Like every category of your life shore it up with wisdom of older men that have walked before you. That's one way yeah, to do it. And I, I would really caution guys. Uh, some of these guys out there are a lot of these. There's a lot of guys out there that are tough guys with a six pack and they, yeah. you know, they're big, bad, tough guy type of thing. Be really careful about following those guys and the tough guy mentality. Cause those tough guys are divorcing at rates that are just absolutely alarming Uh, You just got to be really careful who you follow and make sure those guys are giving you the accurate biblical information. There's just a lot of guys out there right now following non-Christian social media, you know, influencers. And these guys are not giving you the right information. They're giving you fake information. Well, you know, a tree, you know, a tree by its fruit. And I'll tell you what, I mean, when, when my wife, my wife would be like, well, how's their marriage? How are their kids? Like, because we get all enamored with the six pack and the million dollars and the Ferrari and the, and I want to be that guy and how, give me the three things to do and I'll give you money to make sure it happens in my life while well, their life's a freaking wreck. Yeah, that's where I, I, I want to really caution our younger listeners right now. Make sure you're list, if you're following a guy on social media and you never see pictures of his wife or kids or personal life, that is a red flag. Amen. That is a red flag. If that guy is not posting pictures, all he's posting is pictures about how far he runs and how much he lifts and how big he shoots and how cool his abs look. That is a problem biblically. Yep. Biblically. So be very careful, guys, about who you follow. So how does a guy? How does a guy grow? And I and I listening, reading your book, uh, Troy, and just knowing you personally, I know that this has been an issue for you personally. So yeah. how do you? How does a man stabilize? emotionally and, mm. and, and not allow his emotions and his feelings to, to uh, maybe put him ahead of where he should be or to uh, he's erratic. Yep. You know, you, you know, you you, you kind of joke about all your career changes, but that speaks to <laughs> emotional instability. So how yeah. did you overcome that? Talk to us about that. Uh, I, I, it goes back to humility. Um, I didn't want to admit to other people how emotionally erratic I was or how much anxiety I really had. Ah, yeah. Um, And so when I started to, so number one, um, I started to confess to my my brothers, look, I'm anxious. Like Ah. I may look like I got it all together, but inside I'm a wreck. And, And I started to be honest. So, and I had to deal with the perception of being awesome and the reality of being pretty much a wreck. Now, there, you, all of us are a little bit of both. <laughs> and so yeah. so I would say that um, I had to dismantle the perception and be real. And that's when I got real friends and real help, right? Instead of just being the guy, you know, with this whatever persona, but it's not real. And the, the second thing is that being honest with my wife. I was always very afraid that if I showed weakness, somehow I'm going to destabilize it more. But in fact, I was able to be honest with my wife and she would say, we'd be like, I know, I'm glad you're finally seeing it for yourself because I've known it all along. And that's why I'm so upset about when you're acting like you're something you're not. Um, Now we're all amazing and I'm an absolute proponent of us being amazing in God. Yes. 
Well, let's let's transition to that then, and I think you've got some great uh, help there for guys. How is a guy to grow spiritually? So what, what would you point a guy to? Number one is the Bible. And number two is I would say learn how to pray the Bible. And this is what I mean by that. So you're reading the Bible. You read something. I, I quoted it earlier. The, the children of uh, Psalm 112, the children of the righteous are mighty and will be mighty in the land. Well, I turn that into a prayer. You know what, God? I know that you've made me righteous in Christ. So I pray right now that I that my children will be mighty in emotion, spiritual, socially, physically, in every shape and form because you said the children of the righteous are mighty. So I claim that as a promise. Now I'm interacting with scripture. I'm not just reading it and it just kind of being a faded idea. I'm starting to interact with scripture and that will help your Bible reading time become richer and you start to own these truths. So that would be a way that I would recommend them to grow spiritually when they read you know, the Bible. It's, it's really funny, Troy. I'm preaching this weekend at my church. So if any of you hear this, it is uh, August 5th. And on August 8th, I'm preaching at my church here in town. And I'm preaching Psalm 4610, Be still and know that I am God. And I'm teaching the congregation to pray and hear God's voice by breaking down that actual small part of that verse. It is such a powerful sermon. Hey, here's how you hear God's voice, you guys. If it does not align with scripture, it is not biblical. It is not God's voice. You know, so I love how you said it starts with the Bible. It has to start with the Bible, guys. If it does not align with the Bible, you are not hearing God's voice. Amen. And then learn to pray the scriptures. I mean, Jesus, I, my, my go-to prayer, bro, is the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's so good, man. Thank you so much for the wisdom there. And you know what's funny is I know your theological background is more on the charismatic side. Yeah. So I, I'm like so stoked that you said the Bible and pray the Bible because we know the Holy Spirit's always talking and working in our yeah. lives, right? But yeah, we've got to make sure that he aligns with Scripture and aligns with our brothers in Christ. And our and I'll yeah. tell you what else, buddy, needs to align with our wife. <laughs> Amen. I, there's so much. I tell you what, you, having an amazing marriage in Christ is such a key. Like if like even with and you saw in my book, like I almost like was a better dad than a husband. But yeah. I was God was teaching me about being a better husband to be a better dad and how it's all interrelated. And and that's sometimes where the hardest work is because they know you the best. Well, and that's the key. John Maxwell once said success in life is for those who know me the best to respect me the most. And it's Amen. so true. And I think that my relationship with Christ is directly impacted by my relationship with Jesus because it's a reflection of my relationship with Jesus. So, guys, mm -hmm. we've got to keep that relationship healthy. Your wife is the most important person on the planet. She's the most important person on the planet. And so we need to treat her like that. That's so Amen. important. So, Troy, man, I'm so excited about having you on, buddy. Thank you so much. And appreciate your book. How do guys get a hold of your book? Well, they just go to Amazon. Just look up Fatherhood Face Plants. And, uh, and if you're outside of the country, you might actually get literal plants. There's such weird searches. But it's like, <laughs> what are these plants going here? But yeah, anyway, yes, funny. one word, face plants, Fatherhood Face Plants. And, or look up my name, Troy Mangum, which you said right, by the way, I noticed. So even though it'd be cooler to be Magnum, it's Mangum. <laughs> We, we, it's so hard to not say Troy Magnum. So we know that Troy Mangum is now Magnum. And so excited about that. And Troy, so how do guys get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you and get some advice and help? Yeah, so I think the best way to reach me is I've got a website called TroyMangum.com, M-A-N-G-U-M. Uh, that's where you can hear about my the book. You can hear about Hachoka Men, which I mentioned earlier. You can hear about the podcast, The Kindling Fire, and some other initiatives I've got going on. So that's probably the best place to start. Great. I sure appreciate that, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, let's get our boots on the ground, guys. What can we do? because of what we heard today with Troy's podcast. And here's what I want you to do, man. I think it's so important that humility precedes honor. So I want you to make a list of the top three face plants that you're dealing with right now. Just write them down and be honest about them and, and just look at them and identify. I think there'll be, there's a huge asset when you identify some face plant areas in your life. So just Identify those areas and begin asking God to give you freedom in those areas. And so, so guys, listen, 
Want to encourage you to check out the Equipping Blast this week. We're going to write about Troy's podcast and the four lessons he's learned from fatherhood face plants. Troy, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. No, it was awesome, Jim. <laughs> I can't wait to connect again. It always is. right. All right, Dale, what's next, man? Take us home. Yeah, guys, we want you to head on over to minintherena.org and click on the Join Our Team to get involved with a virtual team coming up this fall. Until next time, fill the wet sand of the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.